Hallelujah. Heidi and I are just uh, excited, delighted that uh, we're invited uh, to be with y'all for the weekend. Y'all enjoyed Heidi's story and testimony yesterday wonderfully. Yeah, just thrilling. Uh, the love of God is greater than anything. It's greater than any of your heartache. It's greater than any of your headache. So you're planted in a good place. You know, I come to church to be loved. I find out when I come to church, I end up loving God. Like we sang, I love you, Lord, these beautiful songs. But it's always the response of being loved. Changes your whole worldview. Gives you great hope. It's awesome. Hey, speaking of hope, I see the Oakland Athletics won last night. You all got hope. You know I'm from Michigan, so I, I hate to let you know I'm a Detroit Tigers fan. No. No. I know it put Great Depression over the service this morning, knowing that I'm... But many years ago, uh, Pastor Mark and I, he wanted to take me to the new uh, Giants, what was it, Pac Bell Stadium or whatever it's called. So we went over there, and the San Francisco Giants were playing the Detroit Tigers. And so I got me a Tigers cap, and we were sitting in these seats. And I had no sense of, uh, what would you call it, self-control. And uh, Pastor Mark, he, he was having a time with me because the whole people in this section were looking at us. And, but we sure had a good time, praise the Lord. Anyway, God's Lord. Hey, enjoy the worship. You all enjoy the worship today? It's rich, wasn't it? Yeah. I like the harmonica. Excellent. Man, this is all the all the musicians, all the singers, just just wonderful. So, we're glad to be here, and uh, I know you're going to be refreshed this morning, blessed. I just want to say uh, thanks as a congregation for being planted in this place. It's really important that you're planted because you're guaranteed to flourish when you just take your place, and and call a place home, and connect relationally in the body. It's very very important. So, like this meeting after the second service for. What was it, over 40s? I qualified, just barely, but I qualified for that meeting. Maybe I could, yeah. <laughs> well, you got to be single in that meeting, is that right? Oh, I don't qualify. I, I, uh, my wife's with me this weekend, but if my wife was not with me, then I would be single for the weekend. <laughs> no, not really. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Hey, uh, not this week, but next week I leave back for the Middle East. And... Um, going to be with our team in Beirut, Lebanon, the Middle East Life Center campus. By the way, as you all know, it's uh, debt-free as of last December. So God is so faithful. Yeah, what, a, what a, an amazing uh, story, an amazing miracle. And, uh, of course, your pastors, Mark and Brenda, were there ministering and have seen it and experienced the joy of the Lord in that place. So very exciting. So pray with me because I'm working specifically with Syrian refugees. Uh, when I go there, and we're being inundated with hundreds and hundreds of refugees. So thank God we're there and we have a place. You know, to be overwhelmed in that sense is actually very good <laughs> because the hearts of people are receptive to be loved, you know. And so it's, it's overwhelming to us and our team, but it's very, very thrilling at the same time. So ministries that way, it's kind of a dichotomy sometimes because you're always filled with people's pain and problems, but the joy is you have the answer. See, you point them to the one who's covered them completely. And you tell everyone everywhere you're good to God, whether you like it or not. Jesus made it so. All you got to do is believe it. 
All you got to do is believe it. See, the gospel ought to shock you. The gospel ought to be, you got to be kidding me. And if, if you've not come that to that point, and if you don't stay there, you got to re-clarify your view of the finished work. It's got to be astonishing. Then people stop and say, man, this is good stuff, huh? And then all you got to do is have the courage to believe it. it. Requires faith. Faith is very scary. Grace is very scary because it has nothing to do with you. It's got everything to do with Jesus. It has nothing to do with your merit. It, it's all unmerited. It's a whole different system. It's beautiful. See, natural people think it's foolish. And they'll try to discount it. But those who believe it's the power of God changes everything. Hey, let me show you what you all been doing. Got a little video about the Middle East. Uh, I'll be there, like I said, a week from next week. So you can pray for me. Let's watch this. What a joy to have a debt-free Middle East Life Center campus in the heart of Beirut, Lebanon. We are so grateful for the many friends and partners who have prayed and given financially to make this a reality. And now, the ministry continues to grow stronger and stronger, reaching thousands of lives in this war-torn region of the world. Currently, the Mutual Faith Lebanon team reaches and teaches about 80 kids each day in our Spring of Life School, where academics and mentoring are bringing profound change and hope to many of these Muslim and refugee children. Refugee outreach, with the turbulence in neighboring Syria, and the thousands of refugees that filter into Lebanon, the Mutual Faith Life Center is a hub for help and hope, feeding, clothing, and providing medical care on our Life Center campus. Ministry groups. Mutual Faith Lebanon hosts groups and interns, up to 60 guests at a time, from the Middle East, Europe, and the United States for short-term ministry outreaches. Encouragement and training. Encouraging pastors and training future leaders in our seminars and Life Leadership Institute. Broadcasting live TV events, concerts, orchestras, and conferences from the Middle East Life Center throughout the region. And Kingdom Fiesta, the annual three-day event to celebrate God's unconditional love for people throughout the Middle East. Hundreds of people are receiving the love of the Father, and we're so thankful for those of you who help make all of this financially possible. Together, as we join our faith, we can change our world. Awesome. Isn't it cool? So that's uh, what you've been up to. So thank you so very much. Praise the Lord. Hey, let me give you uh, some good news today. If you have a Bible, follow along with me to Matthew's Gospel. Chapter 13, I want to read a little parable that Jesus told. That's kind of cool. Look at he says in verse 44 of Matthew 13. He says, again, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure. Everybody say treasure. treasure. You know, we all like treasure. And treasure 
does not have to be something that's expensive. Most times we think of treasure as something very costly, but treasure is really something that, that grabs your heart. It, it gets a hold of your heart. It wows you. It astonishes you. It draws you. You know, I have little things in my life that you wouldn't give 25 cents for, but they're a treasure to me. Little things my kids gave me are not little things my grandkids, you know, draw or do for me. They're treasures. You wouldn't give a nickel for it at a yard sale. But it holds my heart. It draws me. See, what, what's, what's drawing you? What's holding you? What's captured you? Is, is Jesus and His perfect work that pre-approves you before the Father? Does that... Does that treasure, is that a treasure? Does that, does that hold you? Does that draw you? Does that influence you? Or are you just religious? Do you go through routines or is your heart grabbed, saturated? I like this story because the guy finds a treasure. It says it's hidden in a field. So when a man found the treasure and he hid it again for the joy over the treasure. Notice the joy is not over the the field. The joy is over the treasure. For the joy over the treasure, he goes. It moves him. See, treasure moves you. See, if life is dead, if nothing moves you, you've got to be astonished again. You've got to be shot by something that overwhelms you. See, I'm just starting my message, and I'm already crying. Isn't that cool? Yesterday, Heidi comes back after the ladies' meeting is over. And she said, she, I said, tell me about the meeting. She said, she started crying, telling her story. And then she made a joke about me always crying. <laughs> and all the ladies laughed. And I said, that's one thing I think I'm known for. More than my preaching. It's my weeping. It's crazy. But I love it. A treasure has moved me. That's why I do crazy things. That's why I buy fields. I don't buy a field for an asset value. In fact, this guy who found the treasure bought the field, but he never appraised the field. He didn't care if he overpaid. Treasures make you do crazy things, which make everybody win. It's always win-win. When I bought Lebanon campus four years ago, people told me I'm crazy. People said, Keith, you're paying way too much. 
I said, I don't care. I see the treasure of the love of the Father displayed in the Middle East. That's astonishing that people will believe. And now looking back at it, it overwhelms me. The treasure. You know, this week, last Wednesday, I went into a whole new opportunity. I stepped into a whole new treasure. I talked to your pastor, I think Thursday or whenever, Friday. Told him about my treasure. It's astonishing what we're stepping into. I can't even tell you about it. I'll tell you about it in about a month. Because it has to be confirmed by a court. But I'm having a good time. Because I'm letting my heart not be so guarded about treasure. Anything Jesus is drawing me into, I'm not being guarded about my dignity, my reputation. I'd rather be swayed by a treasure. I'd rather let my faith expression and my declaration be so anchored in his love for me and not my love for him that I'm so thrilled with receiving the abundance of his grace and knowing that my righteousness completely is a gift. I'm thrilled with the treasure of what Jesus has done. And it moves me. And it transforms people. I'd like to talk to you a little bit about today appraising, or really it's, it's, it's the value of the treasure. The value of the treasure. The treasure is really always the finished work of Jesus. Go with me, if you would, in your Bible to 1 Peter chapter 1. 1 Peter chapter 1, beginning in verse 18. The Bible says, Knowing that you were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver and gold from your aimless conduct, Received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb without blemish and without spot, he was indeed foreordained before the foundation of the world, but he was manifest in these last times for you. For you. Say, for me. Do you know the treasure that God brings to the earth is for you? And until you can believe it's for you. See, most people always are trying to qualify to find their favor from the Father. We sang about the favor of the Father, favor of God this morning. But most people are so consumed. Religion makes you so self-inspective that we're always disappointed with us. Because none of us are ever good enough. And if you think you are, then you really got trouble because that's called self-righteousness. And self-righteousness, the Bible says, is a stench before God. So I don't know why you'd even want to be in the equation personally. I mean, I, I, I kind of have the opinion of myself that the Apostle Paul had of himself. Remember when he testified? He said, I'm the chiefest of sinners. That's the way I feel about little old me. Because I know me. I know on my best day, I can't qualify. I'm just not that good. But you know what? I'm pre-qualified through the wonderful work of Jesus Christ. And it's a treasure. 
It's a treasure that's astonishing. Go with me in your Bible, if you would, to the Gospel of Luke. Luke chapter 2. If you see the treasure, you can see something that uh, can change you. But if you can't see the treasure, uh, you know you always live your life on your own and your heart will always be fixed to your effort, your ability, your sufficiency. Look at this. Luke chapter 2, beginning in verse 8. It says this. Now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over the flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around about them, and they were greatly afraid. Remember, these are Jewish shepherds. Then the angel said to them, do not be afraid. See, most people who aren't astonished by the treasure of what Jesus has done always move by fear. They're always moved by fear of judgment. They're always moved by fear of condemnation. Their, their fears are always based on the, the insufficiency of themselves to qualify. So these shepherds had the same worldview because their idea and understanding of God was really through the law of Moses. Their understanding was anchored that their favor with God is based on their perfect obedience to do everything that's written therein. And so, of course, when there's a manifestation of angels, of course, it's going to make your heart like tremble. You're going to cower back in fear because, you know, you're just not that good. You're just not that good. So it's interesting that the first word the angel gives is fear not. Why not? For behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which be to all people. Right now, the heavenly host are beginning to announce a treasure. And the treasure is going to change the equation for the earth, for the world, for everybody in the world. And so it goes on to say, for unto you there is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. This will be the sign to you. You're going to find the babe wrapped in swallowing clothes. Lying in a manger, and suddenly there was with the heavenly host, uh, the, they're singing and praising God, saying, Glory to God in the highest, and honor of peace, goodwill toward men. So it was when the angels had gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds said one to another, Let us now go to Bethlehem and see the thing, or see the treasure that the Lord has, has, has brought to pass, and He's made known unto us. Let me ask you, have you ever heard news that's moved you? Have you ever been so astonished after you heard something about God's favor and goodness to you that so shocked you that you had to talk about it? That you had to tell somebody about it? That it moved you? You, you, you go, you do something. I find that all my effort in ministry is always in response to understanding the treasure of what Jesus has done. And I tell you, if you use that as part of your equation in life, you will be focused entirely on the cross. You'll be focused completely on what Jesus Christ has done for you, and you'll become intoxicated with it. You become so consumed with the revelation of His love for you, where it just astonishes your system. You've got to tell somebody about it. That's the beautiful thing. They went, it says, they, they, they went, let us go. They talked about it. They came with haste. They found Mary, verse 16, and Joseph, and the babe lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they made widely known the saying which was told them concerning this. And those that heard it marveled. They were astonished at the things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all the things, pondered them in her heart. And then the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God. My praise for the Father is always a response of value and a treasure. Otherwise, you live religiously. You calculate everything in life. 
you, 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 you acquire things, you do things based on wrong values. It's like in the parable that Jesus told, the land was not purchased based on its value. The land was always purchased based on the value of a treasure. If you'll appraise the value of the treasure, other considerations won't, won't, uh, won't bog you down. It's like I find, uh, you know, with, with my kids or now my grandkids. Or I got an email this morning and uh, this young man's studying for, uh, for ministry. And so he's in college and uh, a month or ago or so I told him, I said, hey, listen, my friend, I, I believe in what God has in you. I said, I'm going to give you a scholarship. He said, really? I said, yeah. He said, I'm going to give you a scholarship, you know, every semester. I said, I don't know what it is yet, but I said, you, you tell me what, what God has in your heart. And uh, so I got a little email this morning relating to this, uh, this thing. And so I wrote him back. And, you know, it's amazing when somebody steps into your life and surprises you with something because, you know, it's not the value of the school or the cost. I could care less how much the school costs. It's the idea of what the kid has in his heart. You see, for, for nations, for people, for, for, for declaring the love of the Father. And so I'm going to value that and I'm going to, I'm going to respond with, with a substance called money to help him in the process and just encourage him along his way. And I think it's important in life that we look at each other, not just calculate everything based on people's mistakes or what they did wrong or, or where they made a bad investment or whatever, but calculate everything based on the treasure of the finished work working in the lives of people. It, it takes disappointment out of the way. Last night after uh, Heidi's uh, meeting with the ladies, or maybe it was late afternoon, I got a call from a guy that I hadn't heard from in months and months and months and months and months. And I did not take the call because Heidi and I were actually in a conversation. I'll, 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 let me respond to this, Brother Larry. So I didn't answer the phone. And then uh, Heidi and I talked about this precious guy. And so I said, you know, it's interesting. This, this precious brother, uh, he, always, he always calls me when I know there's trouble. So maybe not really want to respond, you know, because I knew there had to be trouble. So anyway, finally, you know, Heidi said, you know, just give him a call back. So I called the brother back and had a conversation with him, encouraged him, spoke over his life, decreed the value of the treasure over his life, the finished work of Jesus. Not all the poor decisions he's just made, not all the complications in his marriage, but the value of the treasure. And I tell you, by the end of the conversation, the guy was hog happy. Hallelujah. He was so excited that God himself was going to move on his midst and, and bring breakthrough and sufficiency in his life. You and I have to look at things from the position of the value of the treasure. These shepherds heard a message that uh, that the Lord Jesus is coming, and it's good news for all people. I, I love it. Don't be afraid. It's tidings of great joy for all people. You know, I like to tell people, when you understand that Jesus is life, you can understand uh, through looking at the life of Jesus that God is good to you. But when you then see Jesus in his death, you can see that you are good to God. And I think it's really, really important. Part of the treasure is not just knowing Jesus in his life like the shepherds did. But after the risenness of Jesus, understanding Jesus through what the cross has brought a conclusion to. 
And that is you having a redeemed innocence that you need to understand through the finished work of Jesus. In this redeemed innocence, you have to say yes and amen to because God was in Christ, the Bible says, reconciling the whole world unto himself, not counting their trespasses against them. So we can tell people, hey, bro, be reconciled to God. It's an amazing thing when you understand the treasure, not only of the life of Jesus, that God is good to me, bringing me a Savior, but in the death of Jesus, I am good to God. I am righteous before God, and it has nothing to do with me. That's, a, that's, that's an astonishing treasure to me. When I think about that, even every day of my life, I am stunned. I'm in awe of God's great love for me. Because the treasure of Jesus... And so the treasure moves and, and brings transformation and, uh, and blessing. Go with me in your Bible, if you would, to Luke chapter 15. Luke 15. See, most people know that God is good to them, but most people don't believe that you are good to God. Most people can't believe that. Because most people still have themselves in the equation. You know, your righteousness before God is not based on your performance to, to a code or to a law or even to moralism. Your righteousness before God, if righteousness could come through the law, the Bible says Jesus died in vain. Your right standing with God is based strictly on what Jesus has done. Now, that should astonish you. That's why I'm not ashamed to go to the biggest sinners of the world and call them included. Say, you're good to God because of the blood of the Lamb. And it shocks people because most sinners have heard so much religion, they know they can't qualify. No wonder they stay at a distance. That's why I like Jesus' life. And this is what this, this passage talks about. Look at this in Luke 15 and verse 1. Are you all having a good time? Amen. Look at this. Verse 1 says, Then all the tax collectors and the sinners drew near to him, to him. You know, I think that is the, the greatest compliment a preacher could ever have. You know, when I'm in the Middle East in two weeks, I love it that the good old boys love to sit around me. I love it that the Muslim men come and sit around me. I love that all the people that have all the addictions sit and have coffee with me. I love when we call all the Syrian refugees in and they come with all their baggage and bondages and we share meals together and they love to sit around me. To me, the greatest compliment in ministry is to be so astonishing with an acceptance before the Father that people will sit with you because everybody else tells them they don't qualify. Now, look at Jesus, how Jesus responds now. Because see, the next verse goes on to say, verse (laughs) 2, And the Pharisees and the scribes, what did they do? They complain. You know, I tell you, unconditional love is never, uh, is never fully understood. People say, well, Keith, you know, I know we can be saved by grace, but to stay in is up to you. Are you sure? I don't know if that news is all that good news. Because if it's up to me for anything, I'm going to disappoint me and probably everybody that's around me. I've, I've, I've so grown in the love of the Father that it, that, it, that it moves me. See, most people don't like this kind of idea that Jesus, the holy Jesus, you know, the sinless Jesus, 
would be so well acquainted with, with the losers in the lost, in the least, in the loonies, in the whatever. Huh? He would be so attracted in that type of community that they would sit and hear him. I love it. They drew near to him and they heard him. The Pharisees and scribes complained, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with him. I hope if there's judgment against my life in ministry, I know there is, you know, I hear about it now and then, that's okay. But you know what? Anytime it's about this, man, hallelujah to the Lamb. I just want everybody everywhere to know listen, you can see in the life of Jesus that God is good to you. And you can see in the death of Jesus, you are good to God. God's got nothing on you. Believe and receive. And what his atoning work has done. It's awesome. So Jesus, look at it, it says now in verse 3. So, in other words, this is a response to the accusations against him. So, Jesus spoke this parable to him. And in Jesus' response, in Luke 15, he speaks three parables. One is the parable of the lost sheep. One is a parable of the lost coin. And then one is the parable of the lost boys. The lost sons. And in the last parable, we always think it's the lost one son, but it's really the lost two sons. One was lost at a distance. One was lost in the house. One was lost in, in the father's house. One was lost in the church because he was so full of judgment and condemnation in a works-based mindset that, that he couldn't enjoy the father's company. He couldn't enjoy the father's blessing. He couldn't enjoy the treasure that he always had access to because he was appraising the wrong thing. He wasn't appraising the value of the treasure. He was appraising the value of his own qualifications. And I tell you what, friend, if you're that addicted to you, I would ask the Lord in a real serious way to shock you with a revelation of massive, unconditional love. That the finished work of Jesus is that so astonishing that God's good to you, no matter what you've done. No matter what you've done right, no matter what you've done wrong. That's why Heidi's story is so powerful. You know, when I met Heidi... At Raymond. And I heard her story. She was hard on herself. But I would see her through the eyes of the finished work. And I would preach that to her throughout the years. Some people live with such judgment to themselves. Take yourself out of the equation. Some people in ministry get so disappointed with themselves. Because of themselves. I was just preaching somewhere recently. I'm not even going to tell you so you don't know who I'm talking about. But I was preaching somewhere recently. And I called this friend in that area. A pastor. He said, Keith, I've been in deep depression. I'm going to doctors. Nobody can figure out what's wrong. Keith, I've made so many bad mistakes as a pastor. I've managed people wrong. I've managed things wrong. I've shared wrong. I said, stop it. I said, God loves you completely. And there's no disappointment in the Father concerning you. You're good to God eternally by the blood of the Lamb. And I tried to reinforce a picture of the treasure. The treasure is the only thing that will rescue your heart. 
The treasure of Jesus is the only thing that can move you. The treasure is the only thing that gets you excited about giving. Helps you buy a field. This is a great field, for example, your campus. The field is not the treasure. The treasure is when you come in here and sense the value of the finished work of Jesus' love for you. And you say, you've got to be kidding me. And your heart's so stirred, you want to live another week. You want to love another week. You want to give another week. You want to reach out to somebody. You want to sit with sinners another week. That's the treasure. See, that's what, why we keep the lights on. That's why people pay to have debt-free campuses. That's what moves you, is, is the value of the treasure in the midst of the field. And so I want to encourage you, friends, to keep appraising the treasure. So these three stories were, were a response to Jesus' great love. You know that the prodigal son who split, he finally got an understanding of the father's love and he returned. And he prepared his repentance speech. And the father wouldn't listen to it. Stop worrying about all your confessions and repentance of how, what a loser you are. The father already knows. He's not disappointed. You did not shock him. Just let him embrace you. Let him call you good. Let him put that robe on you. Let him wear the ring. Let him party over you. Let him call you good when you think you're so not good. And if you can sit in that kind of party long enough, you'll begin to believe it. But you've got to have a confidence to stay at the dance. And start picking up your feet and high kicking and dancing and saying hallelujah. And have another piece of prime rib and say, my goodness, Father, you're good to me. You're good to me. God's good. Did you all like the teaching today? I'm all done. Give the Lord a shout, somebody. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Heidi, I should have had you share today. These people had to hear me weep for 35 minutes. Y'all having a good time? Put your hands on your heart. Father, these are your kids. Let them be astonished at the treasure. Let them not be afraid of sinners. Let them not bring one ounce of judgment to nobody. Let them call everybody good to God because that's what the blood has done. It's amazing, Lord. Let us be overwhelmed. Let us know that our transformation comes from the astonishing view of the treasure. It moves us. It motivates us. It empowers us even to give. It's remarkable. Father, bless every person, every family in this place. I speak over your life's healing and wholeness and health. And while we're just sitting here in a quiet moment, if you're mad at yourself, if you're depressed with you, if you're like my pastor friend who's so overwhelmed, he's in despair. And he's got a great church. But he's got his eyes on himself Rather than on Jesus. I just uh, invite you, you know, to change your view. 
Change your direction. Change the way you think. That's really what repentance is. It's always changing. I'm always repenting because I'm always getting my eyes off the Lamb of God. So I always am repenting, get my eyes back on Jesus pretty much once, twice a day. Because I, 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 I struggle in life. I struggle getting my eyes off Jesus and getting my eyes on all the nervous things in my world. Just repent right now and put your eyes back on Jesus and receive His love. And believe it. Believe the value of the treasure. And when you do that, friend, forgiveness, forgiveness just continues to flow. The blood is always for cleansing, but just, 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 just be free from you. Stop being mad at you. Stop being mad at your spouse and your kids and whoever. Just free people. And you'll be free yourself. Thank you, Father, for this great morning. We just give you praise in Jesus' name and all God's people said. Amen. Amen. Hey, Heidi and I are going to hang out in the lobby for a little bit between services. And would love to say hi to you. And if you didn't hear Heidi's story yesterday, I'm sure you can get her. She can tell you a little bit about it. It's cool. Heidi was uh, texting this morning with, with uh, Ross and, and Jen. You know, it's just 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 amazing, amazing story. Of God's love and grace. Hey, I have a new book out. It came out two months ago. It's on Amazon or you can get the electronic book. What, what's it called? Kindle. Kindle book if you want at Amazon. Uh, but it's called Beloved. It's the term beloved. Enjoying the place you belong. This is 225 pages. My son Josh wrote it with me. He's a better writer than I am. He's, 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 uh, he, he did a great, great, great job. This book... If you want it, you should get it. It's $10. It'll shock you. You'll, 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 you'll read this book and say, no way. If you say no way or if you say Keith is an absolute, he's gone, he's gone off his rocker. I'll be happy. If, if you can be so astonished by the love of God, I've done my job. So get it, go through it carefully, and uh, in the new year, Josh and I are going to do things once a week on our Facebook, our 2020 Facebook. Uh, we have a website, 2020, our perfect vision, perfect focus of Jesus. You should check it out, but you can, we're going to go through the book. For people I have it, one chapter a week for 10 weeks, and uh, kind of do a little online face, Facebook uh, Bible study. So get the book today, you'll like it. Hey, love you guys, bless you. Pastor Tom, do I turn it to you? I'll turn it to somebody. Hallelujah. I'm out of here. Bless you guys.